This episode is sponsored by Voyager, Electronium, and MyBookie. Stay tuned to hear more about them later in the episode. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of SwissBorg, a crypto wealth management company that's reshaping the current financial system. Building on the principles of blockchain, meritocracy, and fairness, SwissBorg is servicing over 100,000 users in the crypto space. I can't wait to learn more about our guest Cyrus, what SwissBorg is up to, why he founded it, and what he thinks of the current market conditions in crypto. Cyrus Fazel, thank you so much for coming on, man. Really welcome. Thank you so much. It's really excited to be here with you, Scott. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun. Thank you. So before we get into the questions, once again, you're listening to the Wolf of All Streets podcast, where two times every week, I talk to your favorite personalities from the worlds of Bitcoin, finance, trading, art, music, sports, politics, basically anyone with a good story to tell. The show is powered by Blockworks Group, a media company with over 20 podcasts in their network. Check them out at blockworksgroup.io. And if you like the podcast, follow me on Twitter. You need to check out my website and join my newsletter where I share all my trades, charts, analysis, market thoughts, lessons on improving your trading and investing. You can check that all out at thewolfofallstreets.io. So now to get into what's more important. Man, Cyrus, what is going on in the market right now? Would you, <laughs> you think it's yeah. fair to say that we're uh, experiencing some euphoria? I should preface, we're speaking at the end of November. This will probably come out next week and everything could change. But do you think that the market is euphoric at this point? Yeah, I think so it is. Uh, but it's driven through something different though. I think so, uh, you know, the picking up of volume, the training, all of that has to do of of not only like hype, like for back in 2017, though it looks like it's almost like three years ago, exactly day for day, right? It but does. it looks it's like it's slightly different. It has this, you know, this new decentralized movement, this new digital movement that goes with this confinement that we're all living in. And it looks like there is, you know, more institutional money in, uh, you know, it looks like it's, yeah, it feels better. Uh, but then when you're in a bubble, it always feels good, right? So it's always hard to say, but uh, it looks like there's more fundamentals behind it. There's more use of blockchain. There's not like only some few proof of cases. We're having like, you know, great initiatives that are happening with you know, CBDCs and we've seen it right recently with, with China. We have all this DeFi craze that, you know, really went bananas this last, uh, you know, 10 months or so of going from 1 billion to over 14 billion of pledge, uh, you know, stable coins and other, and other crypto. So it, it is something euphoric for sure. And we're going to have a lot of swings most probably in the upcoming days. Uh, but there's a lot of room for improvement as well from Bitcoin itself and other crypto assets, which is still today a very small portion of what the financial markets have. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I don't think we've actually reached peak euphoria and not even remotely comparing it to 2017, as you said. I mean, at this point in 2017, we were there, right? These, these were the final days. Everybody and their mother was calling you about Bitcoin. I haven't, you know, I'm starting to see the tip of the iceberg with that kind of behavior. But like you said, I think it's different money and dare I say better money this time, you know, uh, yeah. people who are buying it because they want to hold it, not because they want to sell it soon for, for more money. So I think that's great. What's interesting, so you've built SwissBorg, which we'll talk about uh, specifically what it is and what you guys do, but you kind of built it through the hard times. Yeah, um, and the good times, right? Uh, we'd started in early 2017 and the idea was, it was really to create this, you know, 
new way of this new financial era, right? Uh, we're creating uh, decentralizing wealth management by making it fair, fun, and community centric. And we, we, you know, we got into crypto very late. A lot of people, you know, we talk about, you know, the first time they're in Bitcoin, the OGs, and they're in like in 2010. I got in much later. Um, thanks to my dad, by the way. Um, oh, wow. Long story short is, yeah, it's uh, my dad is in Iran. And uh, he had a friend that uh, told me that for his birthday, he would like to have a bottle of whiskey. And I'm like, oh, cool, no, no problem. And in Iran, it's very hard to get a bottle of whiskey, yeah. right? And uh, what happened is that uh, I said, how can I send money to this guy? And long story short, he said, all oh, this is digital cash you could send. And, you know, we accept it here and all of that. I'm like, okay, what is it? And, and he says, Bitcoin. I'm like, you guys accept Bitcoin? I'm like, and, and with my past you know, experience in, in, in essentially in hedge funds and, and financial markets. I always looked at Bitcoin as a cool thing, but I never really used it. And I got into Bitcoin thanks to my dad, which I paid him a bottle of whiskey uh, back then, but it was a quick, quite late. And um, that's my more personal story, but more getting to, to Swissborg. I think so. Yeah. We've seen those last three, four years and uh, it's very, it's, it's very fascinating. Uh, you know, the technology, how's it evolved? The application of the technology has evolved. The people, has it evolved? Uh, you know, and, uh, and it's getting healthier and it's getting better. It's getting more scalable. And that's what good technology happens and with good people and good attentions. And, uh, and not everything is good. Not everything is scalable. Not everything is green. But uh, it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm more and more enthusiastic about the future of blockchain and the future of our world to get together. Yeah. So give us the, uh, you know, the TLDR on Swissborg, the, the highlights, the, the, the important points, because I know I've talked to you guys before you're doing a lot and it's extremely impressive, but for the average person, tell them about the company and why it's important. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that, you know, it came to our first meetup. Uh, that's uh, a thing I never discussed. First meetup we had was, I think, so in June 2007, or no, March 2017. And we like prepared like some pizzas and all of that for the pizza thing and all that, right? And we had like two, we were like in a shitty co-working. Sorry for if people know which first co-working. It's not good time. It's yeah. another one. But we were in a small <laughs> shitty uh, co-working. Very cheap though. And the guy's like, yeah, you could bring like 20 people. I'm like, yeah, we'll be 20 max. We turn out to be like 180 people. <laughs> it was crazy. Wow. In a very small room too. It was hot. And, uh, and that was like our first where we said, okay, this thing is actually massive. People are super interested. And that was like March or April or something like that, 2017. And then the second big milestone was obviously our, our ICO raising you know, $52 million uh, within a month. And not bad. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and especially the last two, three days, which like five, 10 million coming in, like shitload of ETH coming in Bitcoin, unfortunately ripple. Well, it's still doing, it's doing much better right now. So we, we hopefully we get some week. of those. <laughs> yeah. It's having a good week. Uh, and other coins that we accepted. And, um, and, 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 you know, being able to do that out of 149 countries, I think so, you know, that has, cause you could raise a big amount of capital and that's cool. But if you raise it out of every country around the world, you're like, okay, this now technology shows that this is something different. And uh, being able from, you know, the guy in Tunisia giving $2 to the guy in Switzerland giving like, you know, $500,000, they still bought the same token at the same price. I thought that was really cool uh, as a, you know, big milestone. 
2018 was about the referendum. We had referendums on the chain, which was really cool. So people, thanks to our token, were able to vote for big actions. So we wanted to do a wealth app, so crypto wealth app, and I wanted to do a desktop-based. Anthony, the co-founder, wanted to do a mobile-based. Two different ecosystems. People say, yeah, it's the same thing. No, very different. One is more trader-oriented, could go into institutional uh, focus, creating a lot of things. Or other ones more convenience for for Mister Everyone, and uh, the community decided that it was eight thousand votes. I think so on the blockchain decided for the mobile app, which is really he lost. Cool. Yeah, I lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for the greater good, maybe. Uh, well, the app's amazing. So, and uh, two thousand nineteen was really the focus on how we could create a smart engine, which uh, it is to how to aggregate multiple different exchanges and create one marketplace where people could really buy and sell any digital assets with multiple fiats and do it in the best way. So this is really what we've built. Uh, you know, some people, listeners will know Tagomi, what they built. We, we built something very similar to what Tagomi has. Back then they didn't, they didn't have it. So that's why we built it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is, you know, it's a great way to bring in liquidity, get really best price through this order management system. And that's one of our great beauty, which was 2019. We, we launched a game as well. It's called the, the Community App, which will evolve next year. It's just a fun game of seeing if Bitcoin's going to go up or down, uh, and you have to bet on that. It's just up. yeah, I bet up. up. <laughs> up, up. <laughs> it's so funny because uh, you know whatever you most people for, and now we have two hundred thousand people on the app. Most people are always bullish. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> There's a very fair amount of people that a small amount of people that are are are, are bearish on Bitcoin, especially these days, yeah. which makes sense. And uh, so these are two big things. And, and now 2020, it's a day where I cried again. After I saw I cried, which was really cool. Uh, but this year I cried because I saw SwissBorg token going from 400. So from, from hell, I went to eventually heaven and the top 100. And uh, that was a big milestone for us. The release of the Wealth app, obviously, which was three years work was... Uh, was a massive as well uh, milestone for us. And now having 100,000 users on the Wealth app and servicing all these great people to, to, to crypto wealth, uh, I think so is, is something very admirable. And I want to thank everyone for uh, part of the community or people that uh, have looked at our app uh, to, yeah. So you're not an exchange per se, you're a broker, right? I mean, you're finding sourcing liquidity from multiple exchanges and finding people the best price and then they can buy and sell. But so you have that aspect, but then the actual wealth app part, I mean, you're, you're basically acting in my understanding as a hedge fund or a fund for even a mutual fund, you call it what you want for people who might not have access to that structured product in other places, certainly not in crypto, correct? Yeah, I think so. So that has been always the great, uh, I think so, uh, vision of Swissborg is that uh, a lot of people like yourself are traders, uh, but that, there's not so many of those people, right? And, and though a lot of people uh, should be investing into whatever they need to be investing in, whether it's, you know, crypto, if it's stocks, if it's real estate, people have to be investing because right now we know with monetary policies, which are just printing shitload of cash day by day. Uh, you, everyone is with zero interest rates or negative yields and a high inflation rate, people are losing money. 
And our generation, you know, of the 80s or the generation after the 90s is even worse. These people, if they don't inherit a fair amount of cash, they will never be, uh, never be able to buy houses or apartments. Uh, it's just going to be more and more difficult for these people. And, uh, and, and back then, our parents, it was very different. You didn't need to essentially invest so much because you had deposits in your bank and you would you can save you cash. You can't save yeah. cash anymore. Cash would give you 10% a year. I mean, exactly. And, and, and I think so, uh, we're trying to fill that gap and, 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 and hopefully be able to, you know, pre make that any person around the world is able to invest in a smart way. And that's what we're trying to do at Swissborg is very soon we're launching this smart yield. It's a robo advisor that enables anyone to create their account, deposit different cryptos and get a yield on maximizing the returns and minimizing the risk. And that's, you know, what most hedge funds try to do. Uh, most money managers try to do. And we do this on individual cases to make sure that, uh, yeah, even if you're, you're not a trader, well, then you're able to get a great rate of returns. And this is, what we're going to be doing more and more is to bring in investment themes, structured products on an individual basis uh, and could have a tailor-made risk and get to have a you know, better investment experience. And I think so that is something that I've, I've built for the last 10 years and, you know, and wealth management, hedge funds and different things that could be done into uh, crypto because it's just now easier to create great tech on top of it and to, to scale it. And that's really what we're, we're, we're focusing on here at Swissboard. So where does crypto at the end of 2020, because I know it would have been a very different conversation at the end of 2019, where does it fall into a responsible investor's portfolio? Say someone who is 44 years old with two kids, <laughs> um, you know, how, how much exposure should a person like that have to, to crypto in, in their overall portfolio? I think so. The most fascinating case, I mean, I would always say back then that, you know, if you look at Bitcoin 2014, 2020, which had, you know, uptrends, but it had like 99, it had like 80% drawdowns as well in that thing. It would always give to a regular portfolio, a balanced mandate of, you know, fixed income and, and, and equities, it would, it would give a much better sharp ratio and, and, and therefore you would have better performance with lesser risk. And that's five, 10%. I think so now it's slightly different because again, the smart, the yield part as very, it's a new asset class within it. It's a bit like what I used to do, right? You in the trading floor, I would call different banks and see, you know, what's the LIBOR rate of different banks. And based on the ratings, I would go with Rabo if I want a triple A bank. If I wanted to go have a higher risk, yeah, I will go for another one, have a higher interest rate. But that doesn't exist anymore. And and all all that interest rates is happening now through these decentralized financial applications. It's happening as well to decentralized exchanges, and we're getting great yields because we're reducing the itineraries and now you could almost say like you could put a very big amount of your capital. It could be if you put, you know, 30% of all your capital into uh, this crypto money market game. I, besides if you, you know, if someone gets hacked, that's a technological hack, then, you know, you're, it's going to be very risky. But if in terms of performance, if you're USDC based, you deposit USDC, 
I mean, the, the, the risk is not there. Right. So we're talking about for, for clarity, and this is how I approach it as well. Like it used to be how much of your portfolio do you want in Bitcoin? Right. And right. maybe you would have like a small percentage of your crypto portfolio in some other altcoins. But now when we say you should have higher exposure to crypto, you're actually saying deposit stable coins, specifically USDC, because we know that it's backed more than one for one, not like Tether that has question marks and just right. earn your eight or a half, nine, 10. Sometimes, I mean, we're seeing higher percent and call it a day, right? So it's not even you're eliminating the volatility of Bitcoin to a large degree with if you're in 30%, maybe half of it's stable coins and half of it's right. stable coins or something. And, and on top of it, I mean, in our wealth app is the case, you know, with Paxos Gold, I mean, these guys are super credible, right? So again, you could deposit, you know, invest five, 10 more percent into gold. And, and, and that's really, I think, so the most interesting part of crypto is that, you know, we had those generation of Bitcoin and Bitcoin lights, all these light coins and all that. And you know, then the protocol started to come in and, and these utility tokens came in, but there's more and more asset-backed tokens that is just changing the game through stable coins, through tokenized assets like gold. And we'll have, you know, obviously stocks will come in, you know, we'll have uh, the investment universe that just offer these new asset classes. And, uh, and you know, two, four, three, four years from now, probably most assets and new asset classes will be on, on the chain and therefore you would be able to put 100%. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because you kind of talked about um, when you were on the trading floor, you had this tiered approach, right? You would see right. more risk, but for more interest, but maybe you go with a triple A bank and take less interest. And that kind of reminds me of how we've seen DeFi evolve, right? Because you have mm -hmm. the, you know, Swiss Borgs, you have the Celsius or the BlockFi's and the Voyagers and all these where you can, it's kind of like a bank, you know, you just put your money in, not saying you guys, but you put your money in, you know that you're going to get it. But then you can go way down the line to like food coins and Uniswap and yield farming, getting hundreds of percent if you're willing to take the risk of a rug pull or something. So hmm. where do you guys fall in that equation? When you say, if I send Bitcoin into the wealth app and you're going to gain yield, is it wrapped Bitcoin? How are you doing that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I think so, you know, we look at th three to four different ways to play this game, right? There's the centralized exchange that just said Celsius and others. So what you're looking there is the, just the same job I did 15 years ago, right? It's you look at counterparty risk and to, to do the credit risk for these counterparties, there's different ways of, you know, funding who they lend the money to, uh, you know, what's their team, what's their legal structure, uh, what's the reputation? What's the what's the link that you have with them, and 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 you could look at that. I think so. That's like the more traditional finance. There's still more things to do into it because there's still that hacking problem. Uh, so you want to know like what is their custodian and if it's good right. or not. Um, on the more uh, funky stuff, which is more the decentralized financial applications, this is a new world, and and this is what I love most about what we're doing here. Rather, you're an accountant, an engineer, or you know, trader, or an analyst. You have to reinvent your way of thinking, and and uh, the scoring method methodology is very different. And uh, it's obviously the the first thing is to have now an investment team that's not only a quantitative analyst that you've been having in hedge funds for some time. You need engineers. You just need like security, blockchain engineers that have to do auditing, or you have to rely on few sources of 
great auditors that we know for some time and you know, you, you know their job is well done. And because there's no S&P of credit rating of, of, of DeFi yet, right? There's people are trying to get there, but we don't have uh, standards and boards or Moody's or things like that. So right. that's what we try to do at Swissport is really create this investment universe first. And the first is the investment universe, how you determine it's, are these guys smart contract as the audit been well done. Can we reapprove if the audit has been done? Yes, that's the first level. Then the second level would be look at, uh, you know, what is really, uh, um, what is the yield? Why are they offering crazy yields there, right? If, if, if there's an idea to that, okay, maybe there's yield farming through done through this platform, giving great yields. Okay, can I then sell the, the, the token that I'm yielding, yield farming for, and is it liquid enough, right? Uh, that that could be another risk, and then you really have to weigh in all of these different risk factors, and create a credit score. And this credit score is is will give you, uh, you know, a global notation of your portfolio and say, okay, this is my standards. I want out of the whole credit score have it plus seven, and and I can liquidate some of my positions, saying, okay, this is ten out of ten. This is five out of ten. I would probably put two third in the 10 and one third in the five like that. I'll have that seven score. Right. And, and that's what we're doing on a daily basis is how to recalibrate all this investment universe and then look into these different investment opportunities and see how you can maximize again, uh, returns and minimize, uh, risk at all time. Sounds complicated. And uh, <laughs> it's also, I mean, it, I mean, you're completely reinventing the way that uh, people are exposed to, to crypto. It sounds like, I mean, uh, you know, you're basically taking a legacy model and applying it to a much riskier and more complex asset and finding a, a way to make that work for a customer. So do you generally like, are you offering a product where it's like someone wants moderate risk, someone who wants to be more aggressive, someone who wants to be extremely safe. Is it kind of like, you know, when you see in, you know, and almost any wealth management app, and then you're balancing it within the person's individual portfolio and say, Hey, listen, if this one rub pulls, you were only 5% exposed to it anyways, and it doesn't hurt your portfolio, but let's take that risk so we can have some idiosyncratic risk and something that's completely, you know, can moonshot. Yeah, that's exactly the vision. I think so is eventually to really provide different uh, yeah, investments mandates for different risk profiles. And right now there's not uh, the first version, obviously you have to iterate, but we'll have a global one. So we thought that's going to be uh, the one that will enable have a flagship. And then we will probably be adding uh, different risk profiles uh, as, as we go. Um, but I think so that's what everyone wants, right? Is, you really want to have at the end your own experience, right? If, you, if you're looking for hardcore music, rap or techno or classical music, none of them are better than the others. Just everyone has his ear, anyone has his mood and everyone wants uh, his, his, his own uh, yeah, algorithm to say what's the best for him. Uh, and, um, and that's where we're puzzling. I, I think so there's, right now we're, we're building a safety net. So uh, essentially everyone that'll be investing in the smart yields, uh, they will be able to have a safety net, which means that we will compensate 15% of the losses uh, on that, which is good. So if, if you know, there's a whatever, uh, one of our counterparty sushi swap, you know, we realize that we lose some, some um, capital there. 
well, then it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll be able to, to compensate that. And, and what we always try to do is diversify the risk as most as possible. And that's why we, we refresh them on a daily basis and we make sure that all the due diligence has been met. Um, so you just talked about uh, all the different kinds of music, which r- reminded me that apparently you used to be a break dancer and you were obsessed with Napster. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Myself and Alex, my brother, I mean, uh, back then, man, we used to break dance for, uh, yeah, for a long time. And, uh, and Napster was my, yeah, for me, it's my biggest point of uh, decentralization. I, it's my, I think so I was a teenager as well. You know, I was like 16 or seven, 16, 17, something like that, 16 maybe. And um, it sucked back then because we arrived in France. We grew up in the States. We arrived in France and music was horrible. You know, the only way you were able to get, you know, cassette tapes was to call my cousin in New York. She would send us some cassette tapes, which was cool, like Wu-Tang and all these different things. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, we grew up and uh, and it was really hard to get breakbeat. And uh, one day, uh, I don't know, Alex was more into this thing than I was. And uh, he was like, dude, there's like a, a platform where you could download music. I'm like, really? How does it work? And I was like, well, I have to talk to this friend, this guy first. So I was like, hey, man, you're a, you're a B-boy. He's like, yeah, I'm a B-boy. And then I'm like, why are you talking to this awkward guy? He's like, yeah, he's going to send us some uh, good breakbeat music. I'm like, wow, well, let me talk to him. I'm like, hey, man, hey, hey. And then, you know, that was the first peer-to-peer way to exchange digital files. And uh, that was great. And then when Idonki or Emule came, I was like, okay, this is the, this is the future because now it's permissionless, right? You know, I don't need to ask if I could download, I just upload any content on a peer-to-peer basis. You're able to, to essentially download regardless who's in front of you. You just trust the technology and people, you know, in a distributed way are able to uh, upload, download any files that they want. So I was like, okay, this is now amazing. I remember, um, so yeah, Napster was kind of the end of college for me. Okay. Um, you know, like the late nineties, early two thousands, I guess. And I, I remember we had this incredible, like you said, peer to peer way to do music, but the internet was so slow. Oh, so slow. I, was, I, I had a, I had the little, the little Mac with the blue back, you know, like the blueberry <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mac, they sold it in like pink, orange and blue. And I had a 14, four modem when I graduated college and it blew everyone's mind that my internet was so fast, okay. but I would like download a song an hour. Yeah, that was fast. Yeah, we, it would take like like fucking three days. It, so so it would I disconnect. Like, it would disconnect. And like, <laughs> and like, I would always remember Alex was like four o'clock in the morning. Like, what are you doing, guys? Oh, we might get a video, man. And he was like, please, man, don't disconnect you because you had to have your computer on. If you remember, that was the worst part. Right? You cannot like just download. Yeah. And it was just like downloading, and the, you know, it was horrible. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. But at the time, it was it wasn't you know it's horrible in yeah. retrospect based on right. what we've seen now. But at the time, it really did change everything. And I never really thought of it as you put it. I mean, that was sort of the first. I mean, that's sort of like the first Bitcoin, right? It was music files, but that was the the the, the premise and basis for peer to peer money would be you know that kind of peer to peer swap. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I I strongly believe that that was you know a lot of things that came from there. Uh, uh, I think so. I had to 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 invent, reinvent a lot that peer-to-peer uh, way of doing things and how to, you know, not only the pirate thing because obviously there was a lot of pirated files, but there was a lot of files that were genuine DJs of breakbeat that were making their own files, and there was obviously no yeah. other way to share it. And uh, and uh, I, that, I think that was, uh, I think so, the game changer. Uh, though that I mean. 
uh, Tor, uh, Bit, Bit, BitTorrent, they had their own token. I never really looked into uh, that token so much. BTT, but, uh, yeah. BTT, yeah. That enables you to have a better uh, upload uh, and download speed, I think. Yeah, so that's, I uh, mean, you know, people have traded it, but I don't know how much utility it has. It's a Justin Sun product. So apparently he claimed <laughs> that like 30 billion people were using it or something and everyone went nuts. They're like, hey, are they on Mars? Like where are these 30 billion people that are using your token coming from? But uh, this um, guy's you amazing. Know, BitTorrent was another one though. Amazing, really yeah, a game changer. And yeah, I was excited when they, when they tokenized it. I think it's very cool. It just, you know, hasn't reflected necessarily in the price. But speaking of tokens, so you're doing all of these things that kind of reflect legacy systems, wealth management, and obviously investments, but it's tokenized for you, right? I mean, you had an ICO. So what is the purpose of the CHSB token? Uh, you know, what is its utility and why did you decide to go that route? Right. Uh, great, great, great answer. Uh, great question. Sorry. Um, I think so. You know, when you do an ICO, you quickly understand that you're community centric and uh, that you need to have a token that has a great use. Back then, which was good is that you were able to sell an idea and people buy the idea and buy your token. Now it's a bit the opposite. You build great tech, then you yield farm your token that has different usages, right? But a lot of those companies very often have funding probably from the regular way, uh, such as Kampa, and which is a great, great project. Um, I think so what we really want to do at Swissborg is is create a token that is the really the heart of ecosystem and 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 to you know live the dream of building a DEO, uh centralized autonomous organization. And uh as we did this in 2017, obviously you know the you know the best protocol back then was to do it on ETH. Um we're very happy to do it and we said, okay, let's create something which is very important is governance because Obviously, blockchain has multiple different uh, reasons to be in place, but I think the governance is something that is really cool. So, as mentioned, you know, our big milestone was to run these different referendums. We had two of them in 2018. It was really to uh, give the power uh, to our uh, our community members, token holders, and each time that they would vote, they would get rewarded. So we would pay them out as well. And I think that was a really cool way to distribute. Uh, you know, uh, power and as well uh, incentivize them financially to do that. Um, then we we built this wealth app, and the wealth app we said, okay, how can we going to use this as a really cool way to get the most advantage of the wealth app by staking Swissport tokens? So we said, okay, you know what? Let's do something crazy. BNB did twenty five percent discount fees. No, why not? We would do like 90% discount fees. And that's pretty much what we did is that today, if you stake 50,000 Swiss sport tokens, you're able to have pretty much most trading pairs for free, uh, fiat and crypto, uh, which is really good. And um, we're going to be developing different tiers. So we have one premium, we're going to have a super premium, we're going to have different ways where people could essentially reduce their trading fees. But now on top of it, you're going to double your returns for yielding. And this has been one of the reasons why our token that has you know, exploded so extremely well because signal like, okay, back then it was to save fees, now it's to boost returns. So I have to become Prima. It just doesn't make economical sense to not be Prima anymore. So that's been a big factor. Um, we added to this as well a way of doing protect and burn. So again, inspired by different other uh, utility tokens is how can you buy back your token and burn it? 
but we do it in a very cyclical way. We are very systematic, but we do as a sport. So we said, you know what, let's think about how can we support it in the best way. So essentially, whenever it's close to 20 day, 20 day moving averages and it hits the supports or it falls down the support, we buy back the token, makes it buy pressure. And we've seen in the last five, six months that uh, it helps a lot. And actually 20%, the whole entire revenues of our ecosystem goes into that to that uh, protect and burn uh, protocol. So I think so that really shows as well a lot of confidence we have uh, with the Swissborg token. And last but not least, we never talk about this, but uh, we have built a DEO, uh, which is really cool. Uh, there's very few amount of people. So it's only 300 token holders that are on it. And um, basically you have different governance rights with our different, with our tokens and you could collaborate on different projects. So you could get rewarded, you could do a lot of different things and it's a cool platform that enables you to, again, to give a stronger voice into the community and how you could build stuff, how we could get rewarded and, uh, and, and how you could learn as well at the same time. And, and these are the real four utilities that we have. Uh, we have two that will probably come in the next three months. I uh, don't want to talk about too much, but uh, it's going to be great ways to uh, <laughs> just a big idea without saying is how to do yield farming on Swissport token. Uh, that's going to be the big, big news that uh, we will share probably in upcoming weeks. Uh, but it's, yeah, again, how to get a sustainable yield on the Swissport token. And like that can encourage people to stake more, to build more and uh, to earn more. Sick of paying ridiculous fees to trade crypto? It's time you try Voyager. It's hands down my favorite place to buy and trade crypto and it's 100% commission free. Voyager gives you easy access to more than 40 top crypto assets and you can instantly transfer cash from your bank accounts so you never miss a trading opportunity. Even better, you can now automatically earn interest on your crypto holdings. Currently, they are offering 6.5% interest on Bitcoin and 9.5% on USDC. Yes, you heard that correctly, 9.5% interest. And there are no limits or lockups, so your funds always stay liquid. Find out why so many people are making the switch to Voyager. Visit investvoyager.com or search for Voyager in the iTunes or Google Play store and get $25 in free Bitcoin when you use the promo code SCOTT25. That's S-C-O-T-T-2-5. Sick of paying ridiculous fees to trade crypto? It's time you try Voyager. It's hands down my favorite place to buy and trade crypto and it's 100% commission free. Voyager gives you easy access to more than 40 top crypto assets, and you can instantly transfer cash from your bank accounts. So you never miss a trading opportunity. Even better, you can now automatically earn interest on your crypto holdings. Currently, they are offering 6.5% interest on Bitcoin and 9.5% on USDC. Yes, you heard that correctly, 9.5% interest. And there are no limits or lockups, so your funds always stay liquid. Find out why so many people are making the switch to Voyager. Visit investvoyager.com or search for Voyager in the iTunes or Google Play store and get $25 in free Bitcoin when you use the promo code SCOTT25. That's S-C-O-T-T-2-5. If you gamble with Bitcoin, you need a sports book that doesn't just slap the word crypto on their homepage and call it a day. That's why you need my bookie. They're the only sports book capable of taking your Bitcoin obsession and turning it into huge cash prizes. Do you want 100% bonus on your first three deposits? No deposit fees? Huge deposit limits? And withdrawals processed within 24 hours? My bookie's got you covered. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Do you want to know what's really going to piss off all those people who told you to stop talking about Bitcoin 10 years ago? My bookie's crypto rewards program. Receive cash back, free bets, huge bonuses, and exclusive promotions simply for using crypto. 
One Deposit makes you a Crypto Rewards member for life. That means cash back, exclusive offers, and more forever. But we're still not done. My bookie knows that your love of crypto is matched only by your hatred of credit card fees, so they decided to issue back those credit card fees in the form of crypto rewards. And they're doubling it. So if you incur $10 in credit card So Protect and Burn is so interesting. And you said you're taking, did you say 20%? You basically set aside for that. Is that effectively an insurance fund? Like price drops too much. We guarantee we're going to buy it back. So you're providing exactly. a guaranteed floor and you're saving money to do that. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. It shows again how important the token is for us. And, uh, and you know, we're only seven months out. So the revenues we're making are not great. But, you know, this month probably made $600,000. Uh, you know, it's quite cool to say that $120,000 only going to that protect and burn, uh, which is, I think, so a good thing. And that will boost, uh, it will protect the, um, you know, a little bit like Gondolf, the you shall not pass, you know, that thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and push that support again, right? You're talking, I, I was a total Lord of the Rings nerd as a kid. Okay. Like, uh, so every like holiday, my parents would buy me some like different version of something Lord of the Rings. I was so obsessed with it. I even tweeted the other day about the all-time high using the like one ring to bind them quote with one line to bind them. So I still, yeah, any Lord of the Ring reference is, is a winner with me 100%. So I, I want to dig in more... Um, what it's like to be a founder, the, the challenges of that. Um, I know we talked about kind of building through the crypto mm. winter and all of that, but I mean, everything falls on you, right? At the end of the day. And, and I think it's in, even more unique in the crypto sphere because you have the token and governments, governance in a community. And you just answer to a lot of people, even though you're the boss, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we try to really make sure that, you know, um, I'm, I'm probably a leader and, and, and I influence the, the network, but we try to have this more Swiss way of leadership, which is really that the idea of Switzerland is really to have this real direct democracy and, and, and have that, that the man is not the one, it's men that will decide the fate of the network. But Practically, though, and at, on a daily basis, I'm still the CEO of this company, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's great. It's it's amazing because you could be considered as a piece of shit, the dark lord of 2018 when your token drops, to the god of 2020 when your token goes like 10, 12, 15x more. And uh, and you have to always embrace that yin and yang uh, uh, approach of life, which is you in the dark matter, you can learn a lot of good stuff. And in the white matter, you could learn a lot of good stuff too. And uh, and me as an experience, I think so. The the thing that you have to have is that obsession, that's very close to insanity. It's to, but you should not repeat the same things. You just have to learn by your mistakes. Right. And, 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 insanity and, and, is uh, uh, you know doing the same thing <laughs> twice and expecting a different result, right? So. But but it's always that obsession to insanity, just to not to replicate in the same way and and create a new approach and and grow from it. And it's it's. It's really a fascinating thing that um, one thing for me, it's the visualization part. It's really where I, the Swiss work token here. I, okay, I don't have a t-shirt today, but usually I have t-shirts. <laughs> I have everywhere the token. And yeah. I'm always thinking about the token. So we just had an executive meeting, three hours, always talking about token, 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 token. And when I'm thinking about it, it gives me a lot to, you know, a lot to digest and, and, uh, and, yeah, that, that fact of being very really obsessed about one idea is, is extremely important. The number two rule that I'll give is to, you know, just bring the best people around you. 
humanly, um, technically, uh, and 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 philosophy, obviously, and, and that has to do a lot too, right? If you if you bring in technically the bright people, but humanly the wrong people, the wrong philosophy, it's not going to help you on the long run. And and you know we are so so lucky at Swissborg that we, re- we recruited a lot of amazing people. We had to change from my financial background, Anthony's financial background to a financial technology company to now a technology finance company, which has been a really a massive spread of brain and, and, and everything. So that was very hard for us, but it's so much easier now. I think so and better and we're more a Google than a, than a, than a bank, right? It's more, it's more that than uh, on, on a smaller, on a more agile, agile uh, approach, but we're more really a tech company today. And that has to change a lot in the culture and how you build stuff and how you learn from it. And um, and the last thing that I would you know really think about, especially for blockchain, is that you always have to think community, community first, community first, community first. And and doing the Powell videos I do every Tuesday, doing the transparency with them, building with them, getting you know the feedback loops with these people that are amazing. Uh, and uh, and things so that's something that we we really appreciate at Swissborg and the, the the trust that we put in the community and the community that the trust they put in us as well is a bond that really creates uh, something magical. Yeah, it's incredible. And I was talking to your brother the other day, and in passing, he sort of like said, "Well, you know, our eighty something employees and this and and I didn't realize you guys were so big." I mean, yeah. you're not like, this isn't like some lean little team of five guys in a, you know, in a work, yeah, big, shared yeah. workspace, as you said, but you guys are a big company. Yeah, now we're big, yeah, 80 plus, probably be 120 next year. So yeah, it, it is scaling a lot. I never thought in my life, you know, <laughs> being a company <laughs> with so much people, because in finance, you're always like five people, 10 people, yeah. or, you know, working in a bank, but still in a small department. Uh, now it's, yeah, it's just bigger and uh, it's different. It's, um, it's really cool to learn uh, every day and hopefully inspire as well people. Uh, right, that, right. That, but that touches on what you said. Like you wouldn't think you need 80 plus people when you see the front end and you see like, okay, they're wealth managers and there's probably some tech guys back there doing things and pushing buttons that we don't understand. But what are these 80 people doing? That, that means you have a lot of departments, people doing a lot of things. And I guess you dig into it, quants and people, tech guys building. And, and, but what are these people doing? Like how, you know, what are, what are they all doing? Yeah, it's over the half of the workforce now is engineers essentially. So uh, um, it's 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 scary to see how much work should be done, and which makes sense. I mean, look at Binance of two thousand. You know, I think so. Coinbase the same thing, and uh, and yeah, you know, I remember Nicola, our CTO, one of the smartest men in the world. Uh, he's like, uh, yeah, but Cyrus, you know, the engineering team is like a pizza. You need six slices. More than six doesn't work. Like motherfucker, we're like Pizza Hut now. We're like forty. <laughs> you want to you want to hire forty more next year? Like, oh, All you can eat pizza buffet. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, yeah, man, I never know it's gonna be that big either. And even with that, it takes so much time uh, to. Uh, but then the beauty of Swiss work, and I think so. I have nothing bad to say against Revolut, but or to PayPal either. These are two big biggest fintechs ever, right? Europe, number one fintech, PayPal, probably the biggest fintech in the world. But you see there how it's 
you know, one is software company, PayPal, obviously was acquired and, and you know, different things that go with it. Uh, but you see that now when they're incorporating tech like crypto, they need to go through Zappo, which uh, need to go through Paxos, sorry. Paxos, which, yeah. Which, which is a great company. And I think so they, it's very smart for them to going through them. Um, but it's quite weird. You're like, okay, man, you guys like how many 5,000 people? You can't even incorporate. You can't build this? Yeah, like you guys it's can't like, build yeah, this true. yourself. No, it's, and it's yes, going to be yeah. such a huge market, right? I mean, yeah. cash, cash, it's, the, it's, the, it's the biggest driver of the cash app, which is a competitor, right? So it's, the example's there. But when you get to be such a big company and you have such a legacy behind it, I, I imagine then it's very difficult. Uh, and then you have the other companies, which are these Revolut that don't necessarily have this engineering culture, but that take a lot of stacks from a lot of different uh, different bricks of different technology and then scales and scales so fastly by the acquisition of, of customers that they're in the, the acquisition of customer business, but not in the tech company. And I think so at Swissport, you know, there's a fine line between building the community and developing tech, but we're definitely those who believe that if you have your own tech, then if you want to add a feature, like, we're building a smart yield, right? By by scratch. You want to have a yield on Swissboard token? Hey, no problem. We're going to work it out, right? You want to have different risk profiles there? Okay, well, we could build it, right? And then you could add in more and more and vertically, you could start to build a lot of application, a lot of products that are extremely interesting. And and and, and uh, I think so that's, that's something great that we've built is that we have aggregated a lot of exchanges. Now we're aggregating a lot of different decentralized finance applications but then we're building on top our own products and it's, it's our technology. And that, that's a winning strategy, I think so, because you're capturing already what exists, which is great, but you're building on top your own intelligence and your own uh, products uh, that could be automated and, and could scale as well, because all we were building is Scala, which is one of the best programming language that's invented in our city here in Switzerland. And, and it's used by Twitter and multiple lot of different uh, great uh, tech companies. Uh, so that's, I think it's a big plus at Swissport. So I talk about PayPal all the time. I mean, I think obviously it's massively bullish for the space that 200 plus million people are going to be exposed on a platform that they're comfortable with. You know, it kind of removes a lot of the barriers to entry. And obviously we've seen them jump from giving access to 10% of people to hundred percent and from a $10,000 minimum uh, maximum limit to 20,000. So obviously there's the interest there, but I didn't think about what you just touched on, which is that they probably didn't even consider building it themselves. So I wonder if they just did it because they felt they had to, like customers were demanding it, but didn't see it was so seriously. So they just kind of found a partner and said, we're going to offer this so that we can keep up, but didn't really, it seems like it would be far more profitable for them if they really believed in it in the long run to build it themselves. Right. So do you think that this was just a matter of customer demand? And so they acted quickly, there was pressure to do it. Or do you think that they really have this like firm belief in the future of Bitcoin? A lot of people have been talking about this for, for some time about how PayPal has always been like the dark Vader of Bitcoin. Uh, I don't really know. I don't know so many people from PayPal. I just knew some people from the Tokyo team, uh, which had crypto uh, and some of them participated in our ICO. Right. So, but what I know is that I, when you're touching to something that uh, has some legal pressure in the States, you don't want to do it yourself. And I think so that's the thing. 
Yeah. Uh, the, now that the SEC and, and CFTC is not on board 100%, but getting more on board in and this great way of why I mean license uh, that seems to be pretty much approved now. Uh, anyway, Kraken is using it very well. Um, I, there's more and more confidence that we will see eventually big players getting into it. But I think so. Their default thoughts is like, okay, let's test it. Let's give all the pressure on these guys, you know, we, and, and maybe let's integrate it. And one day, if we really want to make a move, we'll make a move. But that's a losing strategy. I agree. I mean, it's not, it's, I mean, I get why they would do it, but that's not a real, that's what I was kind of getting at. I mean, that's not a real commitment to it. Right. No, they're basically saying Paxos, you guys, you know, you go back it, you build the tech, you do all the work and you take all the blame if this goes down. Right. Yeah. And uh, I understand it, but Hey, I mean, with DCEP been launched in, in, in China, uh, Libra, I'm pretty sure these guys are going to launch very soon. Uh, it's just about a time about these guys. If they don't have a wallet, they will not be in the wallet business anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think so. We've seen with time that there's been a lot of Napsters uh, that, you know, could have changed the world financially. They changed the world philosophy, but they didn't change it, say, financially. And and I'm sure there's a lot of fintechs today that will eventually get kicked out and there's going to be these Alipay, uh, Tencent, WeChat guys that are just going to take over the markets. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I think so line is doing great business there. Uh, we mm-hmm. never talk about line because it's Japanese and it's in Thailand, but these guys have their wallets, they have their token, you know, they're very, they're very vocal about it in their own countries. So we're, we're, we're definitely going to see some great actors. And, uh, and I think so Switzerland has a great position regarding crypto in general, um, and you know, so that's why we call it home today, Swiss, uh, Swiss so, so do you think that sort of half-assed commitment from companies like PayPal in the end is going to force their replacement by people who have gone all in and done it the right way? Kind of like what you're talking about. I mean, I think PayPal, now that I'm thinking about it, they're a tremendous risk of being replaced. I mean, crypto is much better product than paypal right for sending money <laughs> it's always interesting to hear hey we're gonna accept bitcoin which is probably a better version of paypal itself yeah. <laughs> you know, or, so certainly stable yeah. coins are stable coins yeah for sure i mean so you, i i think that when i'm thinking about it now as we're having this conversation they just don't have much vision i think so they have a great vision probably I, it's just that you know it's it's the thing is like if you're talking about this industry with boats, right? Swiss board, we're like that, you know, that small jet boat that you do like wakeboard and like a mastercraft, right? We're like a cool yeah. guy. We can onboard a fair amount of people and we could jump around and go super fast coast to coast. When you have that huge sailing boat, you know, that's Titanic. oil tanker, Titanic <laughs> model, which is not PayPal, by the way. I really have respect yeah. for PayPal. No, I love PayPal too. But, um, don't have that agility to move so quickly. You know, they need to have, you know, 2000 validators before making, you know, uh, change the color of the brand of PayPal. Well then obviously, you know, incorporating new technology is just going to be the, just going to take more time and the risk that goes with it, it's going to take more time. And then you see the guys that are starving like us that need to want to change the world and are, are able to take the risk for it. And, uh, and I think so that's why we've seen with time that 
there's going to be many uh, blockbusters and Netflix uh, in the next 10, 20 years. And then after maybe everything will be in the matrix, but uh, yeah, until I'd there, be Netflix. Is... I'd rather be Netflix <laughs> than blockbuster right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, blockbuster was such a fixture of our childhood. You grew up in the United States. So yeah. I mean, blockbuster Amazing. was the, like the center of youth culture, blockbuster in the mall, I guess, but uh, yeah. two things that have uh, suffered tremendously, <laughs> certainly in the last few few years, but it's just interesting. So do you see a future where the, the PayPal's and the Venmo's and all these payment sort of uh, facilitators, they just die because crypto is better? Are they dinosaurs? I mean, are, that's what- Yeah, I mean, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, you know, PayPal say they have 350 million users, which is probably true. Uh, are they active? And Right, that's 350 million people have signed up. Yeah, uh, right. you know, I, I used to be the, I mean, I don't. I think so. PayPal was the first thing I ever made to, to, oh, I used to PayPal my ass off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the only credit card before credit card. I didn't even have PayPal for when, you know, in the early I don't know, two thousand whatever. And um, I think so. Yes, yeah, some of these guys won't be able to 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 match the competition, and uh, and you know, we're going to see newcomers, and um, and uh, there's a lot in the U.S. There's a lot in Asia. Uh, there's few here in in in, in Europe. And, uh, and it's going to be a very fierce competitor and, uh, and probably a lot of people that are backing Libra or part of the association, they're making a smart move. People are not, it's going to be more complicated. I think so. Did you choose like the name Swissborg and to be operating in Switzerland because of sort of the positive stigma of a, like a Swiss bank? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Probably. I mean, myself, I'm uh, originally Iranian Swiss and uh, I, you know, grew up, lived in a few different countries. And there's one thing I like about Switzerland. It's that it's extremely Swiss, but over 40% of the people are immigrants. Yeah. That's, that's I'm not even nervous. People that are not Swiss, uh, foreigners, yeah. I mean, in Switzerland. So it's a very, a country that has very strong genes of, of their own culture, but has a very open-minded regarding religion, uh, regarding politics, and it's only their only the own direct democracy in the world, and and the Swiss has this stamp, which is that like you're never gonna get robbed by a Swiss person. <laughs> it's just never gonna happen. It has that quality. It has that trust uh, that you want to have for wealth, right? That's why people have been depositing. Uh, a fair amount of, and why it's the biggest wealth management platform in the world is not because people are not paying taxes. That would have been true maybe to some like 2007, but still the case and people are all paying taxes now. And it's just because Switzerland never had any wars the last 300 years, never political, social, economical crisis. The Swiss franc is one of the best safe have been play Obviously, Bitcoin's better, uh, but uh, Swiss still a great one, and that was one of the side. And then the Borg is coming from the cyborg, so yeah. is how can you do augmented Swiss, you know, way? So how can you keep that and that DNA uh, with a Swiss person, with a Swiss direct democracy, and all of that trust? And how can you then you know, bring it into the chain or bring it into technology in general? And uh, and that was a bit the the reason why we put that contrast of on-chain and off-chain, which I always talk about, and how we are merging those two worlds uh, together. You talked about the first time that you basically used Bitcoin was sending it to your father in Iran. So 
we've seen hyperinflation in a number of com- uh, countries. We've seen, I mean, Iran's a great, great example exactly. of what like sanctions have done to Iran and the use case. I, are, is that the sort of future where Bitcoin itself or cryptocurrency really, really thrives is, you know, money printing, hyperinflation, when people can't trust their own currency? Is that still one of our major narratives? Yeah, I think so. You know, I really liked what um, uh, Paul Tudor said recently is that um, I invest in Bitcoin because there's human capital behind it. And I invest in Bitcoin because it's an inflation hedge. And it's the only inflation hedge that I have that I'm able to essentially invest in human capital. Usually I short the market. That is the opposite. It's how to essentially short humanity. <laughs> and, and I think so what you could top on top of that human capital is that, is that the philosophy behind Bitcoin and, and throughout Napster and this, this distributed or decentralized movements, which is that today you're, we are mining and using Bitcoin in the US and Russia, in Iran and North Korea, in Switzerland and France. And we're all in that same position where it's like, damn, we're, we're actually backing the same philosophy. We're backing the same economy and no one could say anything about it. And I think so that has the real beauty of one's life is to find its purpose. And I think so, you know, the, the idea of decentralizing wealth and, and, and what Bitcoin has been doing for the last 10 years and how Ethereum has brought a new game with smart contracts and how... Other projects such as Binance, such as Oswisborg or BAT or all these different applications, decentralized finance, Aave, all these different guys, which are bringing to the table is something very new and, and something that has a strong merit. It's not only about financial gain, it's about creating new products that everyone can get access to it and creating it for a better cause, which is essentially closing that gap wealth that is just bananas and it's just exponential, that gap. And... And 10 years from now, it could be very dangerous in the world we'll be living. And hopefully, digital assets will be one way that we could reduce that gap and, and, and have better equal access to, to, to wealth, which is the idea of how to change the world today. It's with wealth. Wealth is the, it's, it's really that dividend that enables you to get power. And get power is how you could create better things for, for, for the greater good. Totally agree. So you just said, so you mentioned 10 years down the road. So I I know that we're getting up against it with time. So 10 years down the road, where do you see Swissborg? What's the vision for, you know, that far down the road? Because in this market, 10 years is like 10 minutes, right? (laughs) Um, We live a a decade in a a day sometimes with price action, certainly as traders. So what's the vision for 10 years for Swissborg? And where do you think that the entire ecosystem could potentially be. I'm not asking for wild price predictions or anything. Right. More general idea. I mean, the idea is really to be a decentralized or autonomous organization. Would you have a fair amount of token holders around the world that would be deciding the faith of 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 Swissborg? There won't be any employees, but just people that would essentially uh, build uh, great applications, great financial applications, and and more as the product itself, uh, beside the governance around it, is how you could essentially, 
like Spotify. You get into your app, uh, you choose different investment themes. These investment themes match your profile, but as well your purpose in life, right? If you want to invest in green energy, if you want to invest in the new talents for singing, I don't know what, if you want to collect collectibles and whatever video games, all of that will be a marketplace where you could have, you know, tailor-made investment mandates uh, that matches, uh, again, your risk profile and, and, and your and essentially your, your, your purpose. And, uh, and that's the, really the, the end game is how to provide the best wealth management experience to anyone starting like, you know, $10 and, uh, and do it always as well through this community in mind uh, and has a great meritocratic way of rewarding people based on each of contribution that has brought and And the world I see tokenized, I see a place where, you know, we're going to be working less and less probably and more and more in things that we really like and strive for and, um, and being able to invest in, you know, in a restaurant that could tokenize that restaurant and be able to, you know, to buy a share of that and contribute in what you want and, and be able to, to trade that piece of uh, restaurants against, I don't know, a fraction of Bitcoin and that fraction of Bitcoin you could rent your apartment for X amount of years and and um, have a really uh, yeah digital marketplace where anyone could benefit from it and there won't, there won't be any censorship, less intermediaries. I don't believe in the zero intermediary thing. I think so you still need intermediaries, uh, but um, just be a, a better, more accessible place. So we tokenize everything tokenizing everything exactly <laughs> i love it well, uh, so so I'm, I'm writing it down now that you will in 10 years swiss yeah. will be the spotify of yeah. wealth management uh, that's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> and we will be uh trading your employees because you won't have any but uh, <laughs> yeah it's really a, it's an incredible future and i agree um that that's what the world will likely look at look like you know and whether it's any specific cryptocurrency that survives or whatever the technology behind it and the idea of tokenizing things and democratizing it is you know our inevitable future um and then you'll have a lot more free time for breakdancing exactly <laughs> for sure <laughs> do you and still bust totally. out any moves uh what was it last time i was i was in the mountains and uh, i tried to move man i hurt myself so bad i was gonna say you <laughs> always get injured yeah, I get I injured get, every time I try to dance now because uh, my moves, yeah. I just don't have those. You, know, you used I don't to break dance as well? Or, or, I just like, love dancing. I was a DJ dancing, for 20 yeah. years. And so like my, I used to break dance when I was a little kid. My brother and I okay. used to have matching parachute pants and we would actually like oh, carry nice. this huge uh, roll of linoleum everywhere we went. Yeah, and like, yeah, there was yeah, one yeah, day we yeah. were allowed to bring it to school like each week and we would like put on little break dancing shows, but we were Super terrible. Cool. We were like... We weren't like, you know, on the floor doing moves. We, we'd like yeah. to think we were, but we were like breaking like early turbo like no zone, just kind of popping and locking. But yeah, man, that's my background as well. Cool. So if, if, if they can tokenize everything and give me more time to get back into break dancing, then that's a future I can uh, certainly support. So where can everybody uh, follow you and find out more information? Um, Twitter, Twitter, obviously I'm a bit vocal there. Uh, then there's obviously our website, swissport.com. Uh, check out anything over there. It'll be awesome. And uh, yeah. And hopefully meet uh, in, uh, in, in the real world when we'll be yeah. physically allowed to. <laughs> Switzerland is very, very high on my uh, first places to go and they allow me out of here. Uh, have to list. come. 
I expect, uh, I expect uh, good treatment. Snowboarding and, and in the winter and skiing on the lake on summer. It's, uh, they're, it's both uh, cool stuff. Yeah. I'm ready. We're going to do it. So maybe 20, late 2021 or uh, next Sounds winter, good. I'm coming skiing. All right, man. Well, cool. thank you so much for taking the time. Really uh, inspired you, chat and uh, looking forward to what uh, you guys are going to put together in the coming years. Will do. Thank you so much. And thanks for everyone listening. Cool. Let's go.